So I've been in this Shavuot uh, series now for five weeks. We're in Ephesians, and we're talking about bringing the kingdom to others. We learned from the first Exodus that kingdoms are in conflict and battles are real. We learned from the second and greater Exodus that there are only two kingdoms in this world, and they've always been in conflict. The kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of good and the kingdom of evil, the kingdom of slavery and the kingdom of freedom. In essence, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. To be clear, we are in one or the other. Today, we will explore what it means to be in the kingdom of God and how to bring this powerful and wonderful kingdom to others. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. This has been our chair passage in, in and through our series. I'll begin reading in verses 10, and we'll work our way down. Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So in part five, we're looking at having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of of peace. What we see in this passage is the good news of the gospel. And there can be no good news without the bad news, without the contrast of bad news. And we don't necessarily need to be sharing bad news with people because our media does an excellent job with that day in and day out, right? In fact, our experience validates what, what we see and hear in the news. Think about it, right? When we shop at Target and they attempt to get us to buy one-piece tuck-friendly swimsuits for our little boys so they can feel like a little girl, you know that America has been seduced by and fallen into Babylon and its satanic agenda and add to the agenda the sexualization and grooming of our children look at that through the lens of of entertainment like disney or our public school curriculums and you can see how systematic this perversion is becoming we've been compassionate we've been naive really we've been gullible but now they're coming for our boys and girls. And I think we finally woke up, right? How about you? It's just that our woke is quite different than the world's woke. We woke up to their evil, hate-inspired, violent agendas, 
and we're putting on the full armor of God and racing into the battle. Now, when I talk about Target, has, has everyone seen what, what Target has done this last week? Getting ready for Pride Month? How many people have not seen what they're doing? Not seen? Okay. I encourage you to Google that and just see what Target's doing. It's just shocking in every way. For the last three years, I've been saying that it looks like Revelation chapter 20 has been actualized. Let me read this for you. Revelation 20, 7 through 8. It says, When the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for war. And the number of them is like the sand of the seashore. Notice, Satan's going to be released from his prison. When was he put into prison, right? When was he bound? When was he stripped of his power? If you remember back in the book of Hebrews, it says that Satan was bound in the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. That Jesus descended into Hades or into hell, and he took away from him the keys of death. Satan is Lord of the dead, Lord over the realm of the dead. And Jesus dying and going to that place stripped him of his power, took his authority away, rendered him, quote unquote, powerless as it relates to deceiving entire nations. And we notice that prior to that, all the nations were under dark darkness. All of them, even Israel had fallen away into darkness. But after the crucifixion or resurrection of Jesus, everything changed. We saw the rise of Christianity, the explosion of Christianity as it moved across the, the globe. We saw Christian nations rising up. We saw entire nations coming to Christ. The rise of, of, of the Christian West, if you will, amazing in every way. And then, in the last approximate 100 years, all of that beautiful growth began to decline and to descend into the darkness of lawlessness, leading us to the malignancy of wokeness. When you look at Christian Europe and what has happened over the last 100 years, I mean, that was the, 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 that was the very place in which revivals, you know, a mighty, mighty explosion of Christianity just transformed, uh, you know, Europe. And now if you go like to Britain, uh, only like 3% of the population even goes to church. You know, Christianity is almost gone from Europe. You know, it's just, it's almost a token, you know, and that's it. And, and now we're looking at the United States, what used to be the bastion of, of, of Christian growth and evangelism. Yeah, by the end of the 1980s, all of that was in decline. No more actual growth taking place since the 80s. Scholars or historians in America are saying concerning America that, that uh, the 80s represent a transition to a post-Christian America. And so the final bastion, the shining light of the gospel, you know, going out to the nations, that light is almost completely out. In fact, darkness has swept the nations. There is a spell of evil over the nations. You can see that. Can you see that? Globally, we're witnessing globally an explosion of evil. Dr. Billy uh, or uh, um, 
uh, Dr. Billy Graham's son, Franklin Graham, said that he believes every demon in hell now has been loosed and is out doing its work in our world today. And if you have eyes to see, you can see it. You can see this rise of evil everywhere. And what is the goal? What is the goal of this evil? It is targeted Jews and Christians. It's come to terrorize us, to break us, and to enslave us. Revelation 20 and verse 9 says, And they came up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from heaven and devoured them. Now, before I go there, I want to go back. I'm sorry. Let's go back to the previous slide. It says, when the thousand years are completed, a lot of different ways to view that. You can take that literally, a literal 1,000 years, or you can take that figuratively as um, representing a very long period of time. And, and the reason I say that is we have this terminology of a 1,000 years found other places in the Bible. And in other places in the Bible, it is figurative. You know, our Father in Heaven owns the cattle on what? A thousand hills. What's that meant to convey? That's meant to convey he owns all the cattle. But a thousand hills, that's like nothing compared to how many hills there are in the world. There's many, many more than a thousand hills. So if you were to take that literally, our God's not very big at all. If you were to take that figuratively, that is, it's meant to convey that he owns it all. It's, it's a great amount, then it makes sense. And so when you look at the thousand years here, it certainly can represent the time that he was bound in the crucifixion and resurrection and the time that he returns. That's a very long period of time, a thousand years, a long period of time, and then he comes. And I believe that Revelation 20, and, and I take that view, that the thousand years are not literal, that the thousand years are in reference to a very long time. I do believe that what we're witnessing with our eyes looking around the globe is the decline of the light, nations of the light, and we're being swept as nations back into darkness. And that had never existed except prior to the time that Satan was bound. What was he bound from doing? From deceiving the nations. What is he loose to do? deceive the nations as nations and that is what we are witnessing so i believe that we're coming into the fullness of that final great battle between good and evil now i may be wrong but i don't think i am i think we're seeing a glow uh, um, a potential for globalism that has never existed prior to to the technology that we have today and the acceleration of that technology and advancement uh, today. So they came up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the campus, camp of the saints and the beloved city, and fire came down from heaven and devoured them. The camp of the saints, what's that a reference to? The dwelling place of the saints, the place that the saints are assembled. This is the camp of the saints, saints being the holy ones. Who are the holy ones? Those who are in covenant with God, they are the people of God. It's talking about born-again believers. It's talking about the followers of Jesus, both Jews and, and Gentiles. These are the saints. And the world, with all of its power, all of its wisdom, all of its resources, is focused on coming against the believers. So I believe the camp of the saints is a reference to the church which is comprised of 
Jews and Gentiles who believe in Jesus and are found in all of these local places. The local church is part of that camp, right? Our assembly is an encampment of Jews and Gentiles. And we're the focal point with all other local assemblies. We're the focal point of the evil agenda to sweep across this world and enslave it. We're the enemy of the wicked. And their eyes are on us. It says they're also focused on destroying the beloved city. And that's a reference to Jerusalem. Jerusalem representing Israel. She's the capital of Israel. And so again, we have this huge wave of wickedness and evil that is really focused on taking out Jews and Christians. We've seen this in the past, and we're going to see it again on a grand scale in our future. It's already happening. We're already the targets. We can see that all around us. So what shall we do? What shall we do? I believe our churches need to unite, come together, and learn to put on the full armor of God every single day. It's time to resist. And at this time, we will resist nonviolently on every front. I'm calling us to a resistance to something that actually is tangible, not just spiritual, but actually do things to resist the evil around us. We'll be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. For our weapons are not fleshly, and our enemies are not primarily fleshly, but spiritual. And when we overcome the spiritual realm, the natural realm becomes easier to what? Rule over. Rule over. We're called to rule and reign over God's creation. Believers are called to rule and reign over God's creation. I'll get down to that in a moment. But I want to jump back to Isaiah 52 and verse 7. This is what Paul is quoting from in uh, what we started our, our sermon today. Ephesians chapter 6, talking about putting on the shoes to go and spread the good news. That comes out of Isaiah. So I'm saying, hey, forget your woke Nike shoes. Put on your kingdom shoes. So we can go out and share the gospel. Isaiah 52, 7 says this. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace and brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation and says to Zion, your God reigns. This is, this is what Paul is harnessing here in his phraseology. This is what Paul expects the believer to understand as they look back into the, the, the context of his words. So let's start with good news. We're to announce good news. You and I are to put on our shoes and go out and announce good news. We can't stay in our churches. We can't stay in our home groups. We can't stay in our little, you know, all these little private areas of retreat. We're called to go out into the what? Civic arenas out into the schools, out into the, the business places, the marketplaces. We're to go out and share what? The good news. And what is the good news? What specifically is the gospel? In Mark chapter 1, 14 through 15, Jesus says this. 
Now, after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God. This is the gospel of God. This is what Isaiah is talking about. The good news that God gave us to share. And what is the gospel of God? It says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news. What good news? That the kingdom of God has finally arrived. The long-awaited kingdom of heaven has now come to earth with her king. The king and his kingdom. Jesus has ushered in the kingdom of God into our reality. The kingdom of God has come into our world. Now we have two kingdoms. The kingdom of this world, its ruler, Satan, ruling and reigning maliciously over creation. And you have Jesus coming to reclaim creation with his kingdom. And he too is ruling and reigning. He is Lord over his kingdom. And Jesus is saying, hey, the long-awaited kingdom, it's at the door. It's right here. It's now. It's in your midst. Receive the good news. Enter into this kingdom. Turn away from this world. Turn away from its rebellion. And enter the rule and reign of God through faith in Jesus. We need to take that message. We need to help people understand there is a there is a rule and reign of God, a compassionate, full of mercy, full of healing realm that we can experience. And then to tell people, hey, would you like to enter into that? Would you like to be a part of that kingdom? And then to help them do that. Don't bring them to church yet. You lead them to Christ first. Lead them to Christ. Share the gospel and say, can I pray with you? Would you like to receive the king right now and enter into this kingdom? It's really quite simple. We need to learn how to do this and help people enter the kingdom. That's our job. How do you do that? You just leave them in a simple prayer that basically like this. Jesus, and then they follow along. I renounce my sins. I turn away from them. Forgive me. Come into my life. I bow to you as my king and savior. I mean, that's like two sentences. Uh, we can do this. Just taking that out and sharing with people and leading them in a prayer, they can get born again and enter the kingdom. That's one of the ways that we, we not only resist evil, we overcome evil. Yeah. Lives changed. Lives on course to hurt themselves and others changed. And all of a sudden, they become healers rather than terrorists. It's amazing what the gospel can do in transforming a nation. So that's the first thing we do. There's four things. Number one, share the good news. Okay? Number two, we are to announce... Sorry. Got ahead of myself. Let me give you the four. We are to announce the good news of happiness. The good news of happiness, which, by the way, is the same as the gospel. The good news, of course, comes from the Hebrew word tov. It means good or pleasant, beautiful, delightful, glad, joyful, precious, correct, righteous. These are the nuances of this Hebrew word. The gospel is good, right? 
The gospel is good. It brings the good. It brings the pleasant. It brings that which is correct and right in a world that's confused and in chaos. And this goodness is found in the gospel of Jesus himself, who is King of kings and Lord of lords. And this, of course, when we embrace him, leads us into a place of gladness and joy, where we say, Jesus is good. The gospel message of Jesus is a good message. We are also to announce peace. That's the second thing we announce. Romans 15, 33, it says, Now, the God of peace be with you all. Our God is the God of peace. Our God is a God of serenity. His kingdom is the realm of tranquility. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but, but there is a need deep inside of me for tranquility. I love sometimes, because I'm a high extrovert, but I love times in which I'm just alone and there's no real stimuli other than maybe a lake or, or, or you know, just some scenery or whatever. And I just get to like, you know, relax and just experience the peace of God. God is the one that ushers in this peace. He has a peace that passes understanding, a peace that guards our minds and our souls. It frees us from worries and fears. And worries and fears, they're tormentors. They can terrorize our souls, ruin our sleep, our health. Yeah, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the one that can come and sort that out and alleviate that and bring that peace that passes understanding. No anxiety meds needed. No anxiety meds needed. Jesus is the answer. Jesus brings the peace. Let's learn to live in this realm, right? This is the realm that we want to learn to live in. Romans 16, 20, interesting passage. It says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The God of peace is a warrior. He's going to crush Satan under your feet. He's the one that will crush the one who inspires, uses fear and anxiety to keep us under control. Are you experiencing fear? Are you anxious? Call in the name of Jesus. Asking for help, for deliverance, asking for insight and clarity on the roots of why you're afraid, why you're so anxious. Learn to stand and resist and dismantle fear and anxiety. Join a Bible-believing church for support and fellowship. Learn how to put on the full armor of God to overcome your fear and your anxiety. Why? Because Jesus will soon come and crush the enemy under your feet. That implies a collaborative effort. He's going to crush Satan, but he's going to do it under your feet. Where does God live? In us, in our spirits, in our hearts, in our minds. Which means he in us, through us, will soon crush the enemy under our feet. The final thing that we're going to proclaim, or I'm sorry, it's the third thing that we're going to proclaim, is salvation. We get to proclaim salvation. And that salvation, salvation is found only in Jesus. Let's go to slide 75. This is Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. 
The apostles here are being harassed by the civil authorities for healing someone in Jesus' name. name. Imagine that, right? I mean, yep. And we're almost there again. Uh, but he's basically sharing the gospel with them and explaining to them that Jesus is the Savior. He's not only king, he's the Savior of the world. And that there's salvation only in him. And he says in verse 12, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus and Jesus alone is the one who can save. There's no other way, no other person, no other work, no other religion, no science is going to get you there. Only King Jesus. So we proclaim that salvation is in him and him alone. And then finally, we proclaim to Zion, your God reigns. Zion or Zion is a reference to Jewish and Gentile followers of King Jesus. That is the Zion of God. And it states here, your God, you who believe, the believers, Jews and Gentiles together, your God reigns. And this is in reference to Jesus as king over all. Revelation chapter 1, it says this, starting in verse 4. John said to the seven churches that are in Asia, Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler over the what? The ruler of the kings of the earth. Is that in the future? Is this a passage that's saying that Jesus will in the future be ruler over the kings of the earth? Oh, no, 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 no. This is talking about him already being the ruler of the kings of the earth. 2,000 years ago, he took his royal scepter and sat at the right hand of God. He received his father's kingdom, power, and authority to rule over everything, both in the heavenlies and in the earth. He is ruler over all the powers and over all the rulers of this world right now. Revelation eleven fifteen. Then the seventh angel sounded. There were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will rule, I'm sorry, he will reign forever and ever. All of the strength, the power, the wisdom, everything that they will amass and put together in their globalism, they'll have to hand over to King Jesus. They're going to hand it over to him and his people because we too are part of his kingdom. We are already called to rule and reign with him now. And he will rule forever and ever. The rulers of this world, with all their power, their wealth and wisdom, will war with King Jesus and his people. However, Revelation 17, 14 states clearly that the Lamb will overcome them because he is the Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with him are called the chosen and the faithful. Revelation 5 and verse 6. To him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood 
And he has made us to be a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Note again the passage. It doesn't say he will make us a kingdom of priests in the future when he comes again. No, it says that he's already made us a kingdom, priests to his God. 2,000 years ago, this all began. You and I are already priests and kings with King Jesus. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Understand who you are, your authority, your power, your call to be an influencer, leading people into the kingdom and taking a stand against evil, using your authority and power to rule and reign in our world today. In conclusion, got to get there fast. As a kingdom, we have authority and power to rule and reign over darkness, lawlessness. Think of what we can do with this power and authority. We can actually do something effective in resisting evil, even defeating evil in our world. We have the gospel, the very good news for those who want to escape this madness and defilement of this world and the evil one who lords over it. Revelation 12, 11 states, and they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. They overcame him. They didn't just resist, they overcame we're winning this in the end. We're going to win this in the end. Fire's going to come down. It's different than 70 AD. It's different than the passages that relate to 70 AD. No, Revelation 20 ends with victory. We're at the end of time, not the beginning. We're in the best generation yet. This could be it or the next generation, but we're so close. And the final generation is the generation of victory. I hope we're that generation. We overcome evil by our testimony, by sharing with others what Jesus has done for me. I have a story. I have an amazing story. You have an amazing story. When you share the story of how you came to faith, other people get triggered in their spirit. They too want that. They too have an encounter with Jesus and they get born again. And that's how we overcome. It's one of the primary ways that we fight against evil. Another way we fight and I'm talking about fighting legally, ethically, and morally, is to withhold your money from woke businesses who are defiling our culture. This battle, this battle involves us in the civil realm. We've got to be involved. We cannot retreat or we'll lose the ground that we, we've already lost so much ground. It's time to take it back. So we have the numbers we need to shock and rock the purveyors of wickedness and filth we do. Anheuser-Busch has lost $15.7 billion. Listen to this. $15.7 billion in market shares since April 1st. That's approximately, that's a little over two months, right? $15.7 billion, and it is not over yet. It's still going, right? Bishop Robert Barron, the most famous Catholic bishop in the U.S., has encouraged a boycott of the Los Angeles Dodgers over their relationship with the radical, blasphemous, anti-Christian drag queen group. So it's on. First, the Dodgers said, you guys need to go away. You're too radical. LGBTQ came out. and They said, hey, what are you doing? They said, hey, we're sorry. Invited them back. The bishop stood up and said, boycott. 
This is ridiculous. What you're doing is blasphemous. It's an attack on marriage, the family, our children. Enough is enough. So we'll see what happens there, right? I think the bishop just hit a home run. It's the first inning, and the score is Bishop Barham one, Dodgers zero. I pray we humiliate the Dodgers in a stunning defeat. And now Target is in our spiritual sights. When Target targeted our children, I went straight on to my social media, like so many other watchmen on the wall, with the plea to boycott Target now. The Harvest is joining a growing number of groups and organizations who are calling their members to boycott Target. As the senior pastor of the Harvest, I'm instructing every member to immediately boycott Target. I'm not asking you. I'm exhorting you. We need to fight back now and up the ante. They've gone too far. And it's time that we begin to respond, to resist in tangible ways. They brought the battle into our homes and have targeted our children. We must fight and we must fight now. We're not cowards. We're not lawless. We're not compliant with the pervs. We are a kingdom who has been attacked and assaulted like never before in our nation's history. And we are not only going to stand our ground, we're going to take our nation back for the glory of Jesus and the sake of our children. Go woke, go broke. That has to be our new maxim. We have to join that with everyone else. We have to tell these businesses, you go woke, you go broke. We have the power to break them. We do. I'm telling you right now, mess with our beer, you're going down. Take on our children, it's over. That's, that's no holds bar, right? The mama bears, all these mothers across the nation, oh my gosh. Target has no idea what they just stepped in. Finally, when you go home today, go to the Harvest Facebook and share our recent link about Target on your social media. Use your social media. Get this out everywhere as quickly as you can. Resist their agenda. Join us in this boycott. Share it on your social media. Let's put the fear of God in these radical perverts and haters of what is good and wholesome. Join us or get out of the way. Let me say that again. Join us in this boycott or get out of the way. I don't want you to get hit with any friendly spiritual fire. You're either on the boycott target bus or you're under it. You decide today. We can influence our nation for the good, for all who love civility, decency, unity, and peace. And we can win this battle. And we can begin to overcome other areas of evil in our world. Heaven is on our side. So get your armor on, share the gospel, and take target to the ground. Go woke or go broke. Shabbat shalom.